Wow. Well, thank you, choir, Nick, and ministry team. Mm. Well, growing up, I learned about farewell words, about goodbye words. Right, Mom? My mom's here today. Learned about farewell words. In God's sovereignty, as a teenager, I attended four high schools in four different states. I had to say goodbye and farewell to my friends my freshman year in Lake Zurich, Illinois. I then had to say goodbye to my friends that I had gotten to know over 16 months in Racine, Wisconsin. And then uh, I said goodbye after eight months in Somerset, Pennsylvania, to friends there and ended up uh, my senior year in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Burnsville High School. I basically had no friends there. Had a few. Uh, one, I ended up, in God's grace, I didn't have to say goodbye to because I married her. She was my one senior high, senior class friend that I had there. That's a whole nother awesome God story. But uh, farewell words, goodbye words I've learned over time are like almost on any, unlike any other kind of words. There's just something deep and rich and just getting at the point of those kinds of words. And if you've moved from people who you love, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, if you've had people who are close to you that have moved, you know what I'm talking about. Those farewell words, those goodbye words, they just get at the core of it all. Now imagine with me here just for a moment that... Uh, you somehow, from God's divine uh, ability, has communicated to you that tomorrow is your last day on this earth as we know it. Tomorrow's your last day. Well, there's a part of that where it's like, oh, yeah, awesome, with God. Okay? And yet there's a part of it where it's kind of like, what would tonight look like? What would tonight look like? Well, just straight up. If you're a fool, you'll live tonight like a fool. If you're not a fool, you will be incredibly purposed about tonight. What would you do? Who would you spend the time with? And what would you say and why? Open your Bibles to John chapter 13. John 13. These are, in essence, the farewell words of Christ. If you have a red letter edition Bible, that means that the words in the Gospels, the things that are what Jesus said are in red letters. Go ahead and take a scan through. You'll see in chapter 13 and 14 and 15 and 16 and 17, you really have chapters filled with red ink. Uh, in other words, Jesus is talking here. Uh, understand some context. In John 13, it's Thursday. It's Thursday night. It's Thursday of Passover week. If you were here last week and we spent the week just dedicated kind of to a communion Sunday and, and talking about all that, we went all the way back to the Passover and covered by the blood. It's Passover week. This is an incredibly huge time, especially in Jerusalem. If you were at the secret church we had the other night where we went through the whole Old Testament and in a, in a one-night overview, if you remember, we talked about the absolute primacy of the Exodus. 
the Exodus and God's work at Passover and the Exodus carries on throughout all the Old Testament, all the way into the New Testament. It's a huge, massive event of deliverance and what God's whole plan is in all of that. Well, it's Thursday of Passover week. Earlier this week, it was Sunday. Sunday, Jesus entered Jerusalem. He, there was a whole bunch of fanfare uh, called the triumphal entry. That was Sunday. And then on Monday, there was actually a whole lot of fanfare at the temple because Jesus did a little bit of house cleaning, if you will, there. Um, then on Tuesday, Jesus had a little bit of fanfare with the religious leaders, and they uh, went at it and butted heads. Wednesday was a bit quieter of a day. Thursday are the day of events from John 13 to 17 into 18. It's the final evening with the guys he spent the last three years with. What's he going to do? What's he going to say? This is the time. Farewell words. How many years has Jesus been with the disciples now? About three years. How old is this church? Oh, wow, that's interesting. About three years. The three-year ministry structure is getting some input from Christ himself. John chapter 13. John chapter 13, verses 1 through 11. You see here, we're not going to read those, but depending upon your Bible and the title that they have, you see in mine it says, uh, uh, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. What's he going to do on the last night? I have to tell you, washing feet ain't coming in my head. I mean, what's the deal? Was Jesus obsessive-compulsive? Was it just a, a, a bad day and with lots of rain and just didn't want his rug to get dirty? Well, let's pick up actually in verse 12. When he had washed their feet, put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? No, not really. Uh, verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord and you are right for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Question, is it really about the feet? Well, let's keep going. Uh, For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, not just truly, but truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Hmm. Hmm. His farewell actions, sticking his hands in someone's stinky feet. Wow. Let's take a little bit more look at his farewell words. Go to chapter 13. Let's pick up verse 31. Verse 31. When he had gone out, oh, right before this, Judas leaves. Jesus sends Judas out to go betray him. Oh, we're talking an intense night. We're talking a night where there they are. Jesus knows the disciples aren't getting it, but Jesus knows this is the last night with his peeps. 
This is the last night with his ministry men. And there he is, he's washing on their feet and he's saying, listen, I'm telling you, what you've seen me do, not just here with the feet thing, but with my whole life with you, what you've been seeing me to do, I'm telling you guys, you do the same. And then he dismisses Judas. Man, we are talking intensity in the evening here. Judas leaves. Then we get to verse 31. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. Here's a little tongue twister. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children. That's interesting. Yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. Look at verse 34. A new commandment I give to you. Pause. This is the final night. I mean, it's like, dude, didn't you have enough time in the last three years to bring it? Why now? I would propose this. Because it's the final night. It's the final night to drive something home. It's like everything that's been there. And he's like, listen, guys, I'm telling you, I got a new commandment for you. In other words, perk it up. I've got something for you to do. They don't know it, but this is my final night. Listen up, heed my words, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Wow, that's pretty in-house, isn't it? I want for you to understand here today and for these next coming weeks, I'll explain in just a minute. We are in the house discussions. This is life with one another. And he's talking to the disciples. And he says that you love one another just as I have loved you. How love? Just like Jesus has loved them. And you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Oh, my goodness. Of all the kinds of things that we could be doing that would be showing people outside the walls what we are, whose we are, love one another. Why? Because it's so opposite to the world. You see, the world is all about love self. Listen, you need to love you, parents. You need to raise your children up so that they love themselves. Listen, if anybody's had kids, they already got that down. Okay? We don't need to help them with that part of the equation. In fact, let's just bag that part. We're helping them to love God and love others. We're actually helping them to get outside of themselves. And here, Christ is trying to help us to understand what it looks like. This is about love one another outside of me. Outside of me. Wow, that's huge. He keeps talking. See all the red letters? There's a lot of ink in red. Let's go to verse 15. Let's just read a couple because I want to sum up these whole three chapters with a statement. Verse 15, chapter 14. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Let's go to verse 23, chapter 14. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. and My father will love him and, he, and we will continue and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. Let's go to chapter 15, verse 8. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Let's go to verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Uh, Verse uh, chapter 17. Let's go to verse 11. 
and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. This is the high priest prayer, the priestly prayer. Oh, by the way, those were at Secret Church Friday night. We did the overview of the Old Testament and the whole priestly thing. Does this now not take a bigger impact meaning? The one interceding before all. And I am coming to you, Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Look at verse 22. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as I am one. Listen, these guys are about to enter a vertical journey together. A vertical journey. A vertical journey that they don't even know what is coming. There is a life coming for these guys. They have no idea, but it is awesome. They have this coming in and Jesus's final farewell words. I would put in these four things. Now, let me sum up 13 through 17. These simple four statements. One, love God, love God. Oh my goodness. We've been talking about that for the last period of time. Radical call. Number one, love God, love God Two, bear fruit. Oh my, we've talked about that. God loves multiplication. Bear fruit. Three, live the call. Live it. Live it. Don't just talk about it. Just don't know it. We got to do it. We've been talking about how to do it. And fourth, be one. Be one. Be a team. Be a united team. Let me say it in a sentence. Here's, I think, what chapters 13 through 17 are saying. Love God bear much fruit, and bear much fruit by living the vertical walk together. Love God and bear fruit by living the vertical walk together. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another, even as I have loved you. It's about going vertical together. This last week, uh, Nick retweeted a tweet by Paul Tripp. Tripp says, uh, your walk with God is a community project. Individualized Jesus and me Christianity is a Western culture distortion. Let me read that one more time. Your walk with God is a community project. Individualized Jesus and me Christianity is a Western culture distortion. The reality is that one's vertical relationship is directly impacted by one's horizontal relationships. They go together. It's about a team community project. And here Jesus' farewell charge to his three-year-old ministry is love God, bear fruit, and do it together. Be one. So why this whole Sunday series ever since the start of the year, a radical call? Why are small groups reading through the book that they're reading through? Why are summer groups going to be going into a unique summer kind of format and going through a series called Six Steps to Encouragement. And why at the same time in the summer are we going to be walking through the book of Philippians verse by verse? I just want to let you know, it's all on purpose. We're three years old. And from the very beginning of this ministry, the intention was to hit at things that Christ talked about at a ministry, if you will, that's three years old. That's why we're hitting what we're hitting here. And right at this moment, we are hitting love one another. So where are we going? Let me kind of do this. John 13, love one another. What does it look like? 
Well, in the scriptures, here's one of the cool things. It tells us what we'll love one another looks like. In fact, in the scriptures, it actually gives about 25 one another's, all under the category of love one another. Love one another. What does that look like? Well, it tells us about 25 ways that that, that looks. We're actually going to be only covering seven. We're going to start with one here in just a minute today. And then the next six weeks, six weeks we're going to start talking about more of these one another's. In fact, you can see on the screen what they are. Offering hospitality, that's today. By the way, I think it's different than what you already are thinking right now in your mind. Next week, we're going to be doing serve one another, then encourage one another, then teach and admonish one another. We're going to be doing on a Sunday all at the same time. Then we hit Easter Sunday. We're going to be doing forgive one another. We're actually going to be doing forgive one another in the vertical on Sunday. By the way, we're going to have a bunch of baptisms on that day. Oh, so jazzed about it. Uh, a vertical, God's forgiveness, because before we can hit the forgive one another, if we don't understand the vertical forgiveness, we will never understand horizontal forgiveness. And then the week after that, we're going to be concluding this series with pray for one another, a big one that we need to grow in. In fact, let me just use that and pause for a moment and pray. Oh God, I pray that we would be a people that grow together towards you, impacting our world, and that we do it together. God, I pray we would learn to do it more together. We'd understand what the scriptures say about it, what it looks like, that our culture would not drive how we do things, but scripture would drive how we do things. Help us to be the call, not just do the call. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, let me start a series. Just wanted to set some groundwork. Love one another. Let's set some groundwork for hospitality. Hospitality. Open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to get there in a moment. I got a couple things I want to cover before we dig into 1 Peter chapter 4 and the verses that we're going to cover. Number one is what some of you are likely thinking about this term hospitality right now, because probably if I don't say something about this in about 30 seconds, I'm going to have 85% of the guys like ditching out on their mind on me. So let me clarify a couple things. When you hear hospitality, here's some things that people often think. Uh, hospitality. The bubbly entertainer extrovert type that just loves having people over their house all the time. Maybe you are that. Praise God for that. But let me tell you, if you're not that, hang here with me. Okay? Because I'm not calling you to become that. The second one. Here's another one. Hospitality. A person or a couple that has like the amazing, spiffed up, awesome house or apartment. I mean like the place that's perfect for entertaining. And you don't have that. Hey, hang on. Hang on. Or third, here's one. You think hospitality and you're thinking on the negative side here, you're thinking the housewives of West Indianapolis. <laughs> Those stuck up bratty one upping. You know what I'm talking about. Maybe you don't, and that would be great. <laughs> Maybe it's not quite that bad. Maybe you're thinking Martha Stewart preparing the frilly flower, tiny dessert. What am I supposed to do with that frou-frou little thing? Am I supposed to eat it or throw it? <laughs> um, hospitality. It's not those. 
Let's just hear what scripture calls hospitality, because seriously, I think it's different than what you are likely thinking right now. Let me talk about the word before we dig into 1 Peter chapter 4, the Greek word. It's interesting because the Greek word that's used is a compound word. In other words, it's kind of two words that are put together. The first part of the word, philo, philo, depends on the form of it. But the first part of the word, think Philadelphia, city of brotherly love, phileo. The word for this is talking about brotherly friendship. It's friendship love. It's not the kind of love that is intimate and passionate like is to be marriage kind of love. It's different. It's a different word than that. It's not used for that purpose. It's purposely used for friendship love. In other words, it's like, man, I love you, bro. It's the kind of thing, women, if you're just like, man, I love that lady. I mean, I love that girl. We are just peeps. We're just friends. We're just like, oh, man, we are tight. I love them. That's what the first part of this word is talking about. Friendship, love, okay? Friendship, love. Now, here's the interesting part. The second part of the word means this, stranger. Stranger. It's not saying have strange friendship love. Okay, I just want to clarify. It's saying have a friendship love to the stranger. Now hang with me here. It's an action. And remember, love is an action first. It's not just I feel for you. It's, it's love is an action first. It's, it's an action of friendship love to a stranger. Hmm. What does it mean? Here's a definition. Biblical hospitality. Loving the stranger as I would a friend. Loving the stranger as I would a friend. Who's called to do this? Let's look. First Peter chapter 4. First Peter chapter 4. The end of all things is at hand. Hmm. I'd agree with that. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Verse 8. Above all, above all means like, a lot of, above everything. Listen, above all, this is a big priority. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Okay? It's in the context of this love one another. Love one another since love covers a multitude of sins. Verse 9, the first part. Show hospitality to one another. Two questions. Is this a directive, hospitality, to believers or unbelievers? Come on, have some guts. Okay, to believers. Peter is writing to believers. What I mean by a believer, someone who's come to a place where they understand that they're a sinner separated from God, Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, and that separation from God means eternal separation from God, and I need a Savior, and Christ is the Savior. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God, to bring that forgiveness, to bring that restoration back in the relationship. You've come to a place where you've not only heard about that, you not only know that is a piece of information, But the scriptures say that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's the kind of thing that if Christ is your savior, if you've driven the stake in the ground, as I've talked about for Christ, listen, this is talking to you. This is talking to you. 
So if you're a believer, what we're talking about, this is something you are to be doing, okay? Oh, by the way, right now, not the person next to you. The scriptures are talking to you, okay? They are talking to the person next to you, but don't you be talking to the person next to you, okay? Question number two, who is the believer's hospitality to be directed to here? Who is the believer's hospitality said here to be directed to? One another. One another is a believer. The one another is inside the walls. Let me just put it practically this way. I just don't have time to go into the history, the context of, of in that day and traveling and how that worked out and so forth. But I think in the context of our day, uh, how this flows out in practical reality with the same kind of idea is the fact that this is talking about believer to believer inside the walls. We're talking inside the walls here. Okay. So the Bible calls a follower of Christ to show hospitality to other believers. Doug, that sounds fun. I get to have my friends over and we get to go to a movie or we get to eat together or we get to hang out together or watch the game together or whatever. We get to do that stuff. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on a second. The word hospitality in the scriptures is not talking about that. The word is in reference to a believer that's a stranger to you. The scriptures do say, yeah, we're, we're going to talk about that as time goes on. Listen, man, be with your friends. Man, that's awesome. That's great. I love that. God wants that to take place. But here, when we see hospitality, one of our big mistakes is we just think of the, to those people that are really comfortable and I just love getting with. The word is actually referring to when the people picked up this book and read it in their mind, they weren't thinking friend to friend. They were thinking, oh my, this is referring to, I have to love believers in Christ and be hospitable to them. I have to love them like a friend, uh, the stranger that's a believer in Christ. So, Doug, are you saying that there's strangers in here? Absolutely. In fact, I can prove it. What I'd like for you to do is take a look around here in just a second. And I want in your own mind just to look around and you look, just do a scan and look and go, who do you know and who don't you know? Go ahead, take a look, seriously. It's all right, you can actually look at each other and not get weirded out. All right, don't stand up and go, I don't know you! All right, okay. Now, would you say as you take a gaze around that there's a lot of opportunities here? There are. There's a lot of opportunities here. Because in your gazing around, as you're seeing people that you don't know, as we're talking about, I'm not saying that they're strange. I'm saying here as we're talking, they are the stranger. This same call, just so you understand, is not just First Peter 4. If you want to write some verses down, you can. The same call is in Romans chapter 12, verse 13. Same word used. Same word, same call is used in Hebrews 13, too. Get this. This same word is being used as what is to be a trait of an elder in 1 Timothy 3, 2 and Titus 1, 8. An elder, pastoring elder, whether it's a lead elder. One of the characteristics is supposed to be this. A person that has the trait of meeting strangers and treating them like a friend. Why is that important? 
because leaders can very easily get proud. Let's just be straight up because this is talking about me as well as a few others here. Leaders can get to a place where you just kind of get, it's like, I'm on top of it, man. And I just, I don't have to do that stuff. You guys do that. That's what I'm here. I'm here to tell you guys what to do. And I don't have to do that. No, it's interesting. The scriptures say elders are to be people that are doing this. Why? Listen, because how in the world could I stand up here and ask you to be reaching out to people that you don't know or having people in your home or doing things with people that you don't know if I'm not doing it? That would be called a hypocrite. And I really don't want to be that. And not only that, but the scriptures call me not to be that as well as the other elders here at this church. And by the way, that's even carried on down into the deacons because the concept is up above brought down. And here's another interesting one. This is, I don't have time to get into it. First Timothy 5.10 uses this word and says that it should be a trait of the widow. That's intriguing. And 1 Peter 4.9 says that this is to be a life trait of every believer. So I have a question. Believer, is it of you? Is it? When was the last time that you initiated getting together with someone you don't know and loving them like a friend? Be honest about it with yourself. When? This is a separating character of a believer in Christ. It is supposed to be. This is the kind of trait that should set us aside from the rest of the world. This is the kind of thing that at work should set you aside from the rest of the world. This is the kind of thing at school, students, that should set you aside from the rest of the world. It's not saying everybody on the planet is your friend, but there is a trait within you that you are just not all about your own little tiny circle. But you are actually someone that genuinely has eyes for people beyond you. So what does it mean? It means loving the stranger as I would a friend. It's talking believer to believer. Who's called to do this? Every believer. Here's a good question. Why? Doug, why are you getting in my life and my faith like this? Why is God doing this? Why is God asking this? Well, here's three reasons. Why should I do biblical hospitality? One, because the Bible says it's a distinguishing mark of every disciple of Christ. Listen, you want to distinguish yourself? I don't mean that in an arrogant way. But if you just want to stand for Christ and be able to have Christ known, this is a trait that needs to be in your life. Second, Jesus was our example and he said to do it. I don't know. I actually think the second one is enough, personally. If you want to be like Christ, this is one of the ways you be like Christ. Third, God is glorified when you do it. You know that? When you live this out, God 
is glorified. It's the, that's my girl. That's my guy. So how? We've covered the, what does it mean? Loving the stranger as I would a friend. Loving the believing stranger. It's in-house. Who's called to do this? Every believer. Why? Because God says. Lastly, how? It's kind of weird that I even have to talk about this part. But I do. How? Well, let me give you two suggestions. Number one. And by the way, I didn't mean that like we really stink at this. Uh, I just mean that, that I think we can grow in it. Don't you? Ooh. Can I get another run at that? <laughs> Don't you? Yes. I really do. In fact, let me just pause with that. Wouldn't it be awesome if this place was just loving on people like all the time? Think of where it would take this church. Think of how it would set it apart. Think of how if people could talk about, this is a place, I mean, I'm serious, over there at that place, they're like out of their mind because they actually love people. They just don't talk about it and they just don't do a game. They don't program it. So many churches get to where we have to staff an assimilation person. I want to tell you, we could save $80,000 a year if we just did this. It's true. If it was just organic, if it just happened, if we had eyes like Christ had eyes, money would be saved, people would be reached, people would be loved, and best of all, God would be glorified. So, number one, how? Do you see it as serious enough to do? Do you see it as serious enough? Do you see it as something that's like, I, I, Scripture says I need to do that. Scripture says I need to be that. So I'm going to do it. Do you see it as important? Let me kind of make some comments here that might be running through minds and understandably so. But Doug, I don't have a very nice home or apartment. It's not much of a show place. Can we just agree right here? I could care less. How about you? So stinking what? It's irrelevant. It's not about your place. It's not about what it looks like. It's not if someone else has a better place than you have. You have a place, and God wants to use it. Um, By the way, if I remember right, I don't think Jesus had much of an awesome place while he was on earth either. Uh, But Doug, I'm not the frou-frou host type. I'm totally with you. Let's just get out bulk cookies and Mountain Dew. (laughs) And let's amp it up. (laughs) And part of that, I just want to add in this. You just may be more, it's like, actually, I'm just more of a shy person. I want to encourage you. I, I totally, you may not believe me on this, but I totally understand what you're talking about. In my elementary school years, I was actually, in many ways, very shy. There's a a part of me, my wife knows, those who know me really well, there's still a part of me that actually there's a great timidity in me in some certain aspects. I totally get that. 
I may look like an extrovert, but in many ways I'm not. And it becomes a choice. I literally, when I was in junior high, I got to a place where it's like, I have a choice to make. I can either kind of live under the bubble or I can step out. And uh, there's areas I'm still very timid in, but I just want to encourage you, step out. But Doug, I've, uh, I don't have the money to do it. No, you don't need it. Let me encourage you, it's not about money. Okay, it's not. That actually comes out of a pride and also out of a lack of creativity. You don't need money. But Doug, I don't have the time. Lovingly, yes, you do. Yes, you do. I don't care how busy you are. You make priorities happen. Doug, I'm new here. Man, I so get that too. I just want to encourage you, even if you're new here, and it's like, even if we, let's just be straight up, even if we haven't done a very good job welcoming you or coming around and helping you get assimilated in, can I just put this out on the table? Just go for it. I've seen people come in here and some people come in here and they're just to have the maturity to where it's like, I'm just going to get to know people. And again, in my moves in high school, I learned after a while, I always wanted people to come to me. I really did. I'm just like you. We all do. I wanted people to come to me. And yet after time, I started realizing, I think it was about after the third move, I had to get to a place where it's like, you know what? Everywhere I've been, people aren't that way. And so what am I going to do? Let's step out and I'm just going to meet people. Why? Because that's what Christ calls me to do. I just want to encourage you, even if you're new here, we're trying to grow in this area as a church, and that's why I'm just being straight up about it all. And I also want to encourage you to step out. So see it as important. Secondly here, let me give you some helpful challenges and ideas. Number one, I want to give you two challenges practically on this. Number one, a Sunday challenge. A couple little things you might consider doing. Number one, how can you grow in the area of being someone that is a mindset, just a trait, attitude, and and character to where I have an increasing love for other people, especially love, as we're talking about, within the household of God. Here's one, park further out. Let me tell you why. It's not even so much that other people can park up front. It's for you. It's for you before you enter the door at your church, whether it's here or somewhere else. Before you enter the church, you're already, before you've even stepped in the door, you've already done something in your own mind that has signaled the fact of, you know what, I'm thinking of other people before I even come in the door. Now, next week, if it's like everybody's in the back half of the parking lot, you know, and and so you pull in and you're like the guilty one feeling pulling in the front, it's okay, we're not going to get legalistic about it, right? Oh, can we agree on that? This isn't legalism. I'm just saying it's, it's a practical way before you even come in to set your head on, on the game of considering other people. Here's another one. When you come in, I want to encourage you to consider one a week in the lobby. Just one person a week that you don't know who they are, that you just go up and you introduce themselves. Maybe it's when you're picking your child up coming out of kids or when you're just there and it's like someone you don't know, just go up. Hi, my name's Doug. I don't think we've met before. How long have you been coming to harvest? And just talk and just, man, it's great to get to know you. 
It's just one more way to build a practical reality of living this out. Let me give you another one. Sit strategically. In other words, come in. I know a lot of you got your spot. And that's okay. I'm not legalistic about it. Okay, but maybe every so often come in and when you walk in, don't just look for an area that's away from everybody. That's so American. But come in and actually see where someone else is and scare them and sit by them. <laughs> and just sit with them and just get to know them. It, it's, a, it's an attitude thing. It's, it's just seriously, it's just light, simple ways to help us start thinking more that way. Okay, and I'm not saying we don't do it. Uh, I've got to move on. Second thing. So one is Sunday challenges. Oh my, do I ever. The other is hospitality hangouts once a month. How many times a month? How often? Once a month. Just this. Once a month. Here's the challenge. If you, if you and your wife, if you're married, if you're single, it's just you. You initiate a get together with someone else. And it includes this. One person who's your peep. One person who's your friend. This makes me sound like such a gangster. I don't, just one person who's just like such a, you know, a friend of yours, but someone else who's a stranger, okay? Someone else you don't know very well. Why that way? I learned in business years ago when we'd meet with international distributors, I always tried to have one of my, either my employee or my wife with me. The reason was, is having someone else there when you're meeting someone new who's, especially from a different time, a different place, a different culture, if you will, having someone else there, not only does it connect them with somebody, but it also helps you in the conversation to be able to bring in aspects of life just to be able to interact. It's multiplying your effort and it helps you. So I just want to challenge you to consider once a month that you will invite a friend a household friend, and someone who's a stranger. How do I know if they're a stranger? How do I find out how to contact them? A couple ways. Meet them in the hall. Meet them in the hall. Don't scare them, you know, like I'm going to stalk you. Just, hey, maybe sometime we could get together. And would, that, would, you, would you be up for that? Could I get your number? Could I get your email kind of thing? Uh, also, call the office. If it's like, hey, we'd just like to, me and my friend, we've talked about it, and we'd like to get together with someone, just call us. We'd love to be able to give you some names of some people that are newer or some people at your stage of life or whatever you might have. Just call. Practical way to do it. Let me just give you some ideas. Make it simple and fun. Lunch after church. I love this. Marita King had invited Karen and I over a little while ago and went to her house and had like a family meal with a whole bunch of people sitting in her kitchen, all crammed in there. And man, she's having a blast just bringing pounds of food. It's just the sweetest thing. And I know she does that every so often. Isn't that cool? You could do that. I just, I heard the, the, I think the Woods had told me and Jason Jennifer Jones in the Woods, I I think they had something where, what was it, where they went and they said, come on over to our, they're over here. I think it was, come on over to our house and, and everybody pick up your own fast food. And so they all go pick up their own fast food and then meet somewhere. And then that way, everybody gets something they like. Everybody, you don't have to cook it. You don't have to prepare it. You just come and have fast food together. I think it's cool. Or put on a pot of spaghetti, do brunch, do the eggs and bacon and, you know, whatever. Uh, do a sporting event. Go to find, watch the Final Four together. Watch NASCAR. Watch the Masters. I don't care. Watch the next Top Chef together. Uh, you know, if that's the thing that you enjoy doing. Go to Plainfield. Park at the Aquatic Center. Go on the walk. 
Just hang out, talk, have fun, looking around. About a mile or so down the road is the Dairy Queen. It's healthy. You can get something to eat there and then walk back. And, and just, it's a wonderful night together. Uh, another idea, another, just a couple of them here. Uh, one is Karen and I have done a few times in the past where we've, we've done a Walmart night together. What we mean by that is we've had uh, two other couples where we give them a five, five dollars each. This was earlier in our marriage and we literally uh, accounted, saved money to do this. We'd give them five dollars and say, here's the deal. We're going to Walmart. You have 20 minutes in Walmart. You have five dollars. You have to buy three things that tell about who you are. And it cannot go over five dollars. Five oh one, you lose. Okay, and it's got to be under five dollars. I remember I th- one of the things I remember we bought a paint can opener, and so then we all came together and, and we were like, we bought, why? What's with the paint can opener? Because we we built a house and we painted the inside and the outside of the house, and it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and we talked about it. You the stuff you learned. It was really fun. It was creative. Do a clay pigeon shoot if that's your thing, or a backyard night, or go golf, mini golf. Uh, go do a service project together. Do a downtown walk. And if right now you're going, Doug, this is ridiculous that we're talking about this, look at First Peter chapter 4. Seriously. Look at First Peter chapter 4, verse 9, and we're wrapping it up. Show hospitality to one another <laughs> without grumbling, <laughs> without complaining. Listen. The Bible is so honest. I love that. You may be right now going, this is so not my thing. It's God's thing. God would be honored by it. And I'm just going to tell you, you will enjoy it. It will grow you. And this church, I am telling you, if we had 25, 50, 75 households that were doing this on a consistent basis, friends, I'm telling you, we would up the ante big time for God's glory. Hey, if this is something I want for you to go and talk about, if you're married, talk about it with your spouse. And if this is something you're thinking about doing, I just seriously, I'm not going to be legalistic about it, but uh, go ahead and send me an email and let me know. I just like to get a little database together and every so often just send you a word of encouragement, maybe some things we're learning, ideas you've come up with. Okay? Feel free to do that if you want. Let's pray. Lord God, you are so good to us. We've had the opportunity today to spend in singing. We've had the opportunity today to lift your name high. We've had the opportunity to give to you in worship. We've had the opportunity just to be able to Uh, be together. We've had the opportunity to open your word together. And Father, just as we begin delving into these one and others for these next few weeks, I really pray you would do a work in our hearts. You'd encourage us and challenge us. Uh, So often I think we get this idea of these things and it's just so almost overwhelming. But when we plan it, when we purpose it, it's not that big of a deal. Lord, you love the stranger. And again, I'm talking inside the walls. You, you, you love the people here. And Father, I pray that we would take an advancement step and be a place that steps out and does this. 
God, I know already there's a number of people that are doing this. Oh, thank you for that. I just really pray as we're on this vertical walk towards you, that we would be a kind of a team together that would just give you joy. That would literally just bless your heart. That you would look and go, there is a church that is truly trying to live biblically in their walls. That's a place that's going to have impact outside of their walls just because of that. Oh God, may we be that kind of a place out of an attitude and a heart of an offering to you. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for your long suffering with us. And thank you for your hospitality to us. You have loved the stranger as a friend. Thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.